0: It's clearly the number one problem that faces America today, and no one is talking about it because who is capable? Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark
1: Clare. Hello, friends. We are in Didi, back here once again. This is episode number 154 of this program, and if you've been playing along at home, you'll know that you can find today's show notes over at lionsofliberty.com slash 154. The show is sponsored today by your home for killer liberty political gear. That is, of course, libertymaniacs.com. Get 10% off your entire order by using the discount code lionsofliberty at checkout. We are also sponsored by Health Excellence Select. It is open enrollment time, guys. Do not make the mistake of re-signing up with your Obamacare plan before looking into this exciting alternative. Head over to lionsofliberty.com slash health. And boy, do I have an interesting interview for you guys today. This may be one of the most fascinating interviews I've ever conducted. There's a little bit of adult language in the last five to ten minutes or so towards the end that I've chosen not to censor. So just be aware in case you're sensitive to that sort of thing or need to cover the kids' ears or what have you. So now, without further ado, I bring to you my guest. He is a man whose name will be familiar to, well, anyone who grew up using a computer in the 90s like I did. He is the developer of the first commercial antivirus program, and he has recently launched a campaign for the presidency of the United States on a platform that I think listeners of this program are going to find very interesting. He is, of course, Mr. John McAfee. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Well,
0: I'm not going to be here, sir.
1: Well, John, you know, I really want to get into the meat of your presidential campaign. Um, But first, I want my listeners to get to know you a little bit better and, you know, to find out just what brought you here specifically to these issues. Because, you know, a major focus of your campaign are the issues of privacy and cybersecurity. That is, of course, how you made your fortune uh, through McAfee antivirus. So can you first sort of tell us when in your life did you begin to realize the importance of security and privacy in the modern digital age?
0: Well, it it really came home when um, smartphones were widely spread. We download apps on smartphones without thinking, without checking um, the, the equations that they do and the facilities that they ask for. I mean, a flashlight app needs access to your camera. Why then, for permissions, does it ask for your contacts, your email, your SMS messages, and want to use your phone on your behalf? Uh, these are things that I think the average person does not ask.
1: Wait, so even the basic flashlight app, like that someone would download has access to to all these things you're mentioning?
0: I think if you check your flashlight app, you'll find that it has permissions which are excessive to what it needs. It needs to access your flash on the camera. That's it. It doesn't need to turn on your microphone. Uh, it doesn't need to read your emails. And I'll find, I I can guarantee you that, uh, 90% of the apps that you have downloaded are using excessive permissions. Why? Because nothing in life is free. Uh, if you've downloaded a free app, I can assure you, you're paying for it far more than what you should have paid cash for.
1: So are a lot of these apps, a lot of these free apps, I mean, it seems like almost every app is free. There's all these cool apps. Are, are they just being put out there for people to download? Because are, are they essentially just data mining operations? What, what exactly types of information are they trying to gather from us through, through apps?
0: Well, it depends on the app. I mean, nothing is free. I mean, if they're if they're going to the trouble to develop a, a sophisticated game app, and they're not charging, something's wrong with this picture. I mean, my parents told me there was nothing free in life, and and if I thought there was something free, I would end up paying a hundred times its actual value. So these people are in business for something. There cannot be two hundred million people on Google Play. Who, out of the goodness of their hearts, are trying to help people at their expense. Can't the medium of exchange for corporations is now information. Information. Every man, woman, and child is worth $800 per year. Just knowing where you are, what you're buying, who your friends are, who your contact lists are, uh, who bought you a present last, and what color was it. Or will they buy you a present next year? Will you feel obligated to buy one for them? These are the data points that are used to determine what you will do next in life. And based on that, they will try to sell you something as you do that. And these are largely innocuous. It's the devious ones that are of trouble. The ones that aren't marketing anything, but are still collecting information. And this is pure spyware, for some reason that we do not understand. Focus on the Family, when you download a Bible reading app, that is an app that will read to you late at night in a synthesized voice, accesses your microphone, your video camera, your SMS messages, your emails, your location, and makes calls on your behalf so that can send this information to a server in Atlanta owned by Focus on the Family. Now, these are things I would like to know. Um, But these things are trivial compared to what is actually happening on a governmental basis. I don't know that if you have been watching the, uh, the new legislation...
1: Well, sure. Yeah, that was that was what I was actually going to ask you about next, this bill that was just passed, the, the Cybersecurity Information Sharing Act. And I guess the intent of that is to, I guess, enable or perhaps encourage companies to share their information about hacks upon their, their businesses with the U.S. government. So what can you tell us about that act specifically? I mean, do you think that actually addresses any of the issues of cybersecurity that we have right now?
0: Well, it's not just sharing information about the hacks. It's information sharing. That is, please, We'll share you all of our information about the world. You share your information.
1: Oh, I see. So this is spun as, as something targeting specifically right. hacking, but it's really not limited
0: to that. Absolutely not. It's a way for the U.S. covert agencies to expand their monitoring because you know you tell Google everything. Uh, if not, you tell Facebook something or you tweet it on Twitter. But, but let me tell you what that does. That ends up being a spy on our friends and our citizens. You you should do some research, all of you out there. Do you realize that the Chinese do not use Google or Facebook? They use Baidu, Sogal, and Yudao. The Russians use Yandex and Bandu. The Koreans have Nave, the Iran's use the Afghanistan Colossus. The Czech Republic says not. Now, beyond that, do you think that any of the Chinese and Russians and our real neighbors use our social media? Hell no. Social media in Russia is VK. or not lastnik They have Sina Web for Chinese Twitter. Renan for Chinese Facebook. Peng Yu for Chinese Facebook. QQ for instant messaging. And then they have Duan Dian for the Chinese equivalent of Tumblr. They don't use our social networking. They are too smart. All of our enemies use their own facility.
1: Are you referring to more, I mean, people in the government of these countries or the actual citizens? Are the citizens of these countries actually so much more aware of the spying that goes on with Facebook and Google that they actively seek out these alternatives?
0: Well, why would you, if you were a citizen of China, join Facebook, which is clunky when, when translated into Chinese, when you can have your own Chinese Facebook, It's built from scratch, it has much more facility? No, this is not just for the government. This is for all citizens. We will find out nothing about our real enemies through this information-sharing act that is passed off as, we will help you with your hacks. It is utter, complete nonsense, and it shows a lack of understanding within our government of where the threat lies. Or it shows that our government has turned totally paranoid and totally inward and is far more concerned with its citizens and its allies than it is with its real enemies.
1: From what I'm gathering from you, I mean, this act basically further enables the government and sort of able to merge their current spying programs with what you're describing that a lot of these companies and apps are doing, like the Flashlight app or Facebook or Google, and essentially merging their abilities to to data mine and share that data with, with the government. Is that sort of what we're going with it?
0: Yes, it is. But the data that they're sharing is from a source that will hardly ever be a threat. To American security. Right. If we as the citizen are the targets, then the government thinks we're the enemy. That's just a fact of life, and it makes us feel like we're the enemy in every aspect of our lives. Standing in line in TSA with my belt off and my shoes off, my clothes being closely scrutinized and hands in the air ready to be patted down does not sound like protection to me. It sounds like I'm the enemy. And the enemy is out there. And this act will do nothing, nothing to find out word one about what our enemy is doing, because Google and Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest and Tumblr have no foothold in our enemy's countries.
1: John, I've heard you mention before that we are, the United States, I should say, is, is, currently, I guess, in a cyber war with China. Uh, can you expand on that a little bit? Because you do hear a lot of blustering from politicians about China, uh, about trade wars, about that sort of thing, but you don't really hear as much about the cyber war that, that you have mentioned. So can you describe exactly what this, this cyber war that's currently taking place is?
0: The Chinese have a very long memory. We, as Americans or British or, or the Western world, um, have a word in China, the Jin meaning the barbarians. And we are. Um, 5,000 years ago, while our ancestors were living in trees and wearing bear skins, the Chinese were weaving silk and making poetry and had refined musical instruments. They had been around for a long time. They have been massively mistreated in both world wars, and they have a long memory. They have not forgotten us, none of us, and it has become clear within the past five years that the Chinese are the leading hacker talent on the planet. They have co-opted communication satellites so that they can hide their identity behind them. They have hacked the Office of Personnel Management and taken 20 million of the most sensitive records a company or a country could possibly steal, setting us back years. They attacked Homeland Security, the FBI, and the Department of Defense. I'm not even sure they're not behind the cutting of the fiber optic cables of 37 of which instances have been noticed here in the U.S., from California to Idaho to uh Arizona. And beyond that, the Russians and the Chinese are like one race now. Their hatred for us and their proximity to one another and their like-minded thinking make them virtually one enemy. The the New York Times had a story two days ago, a, a, a shocking story, about Russian subs who were hovering above our international fiber optics cable. These are the cables that transmit all Internet traffic around the world. Now, what would happen if these cables were cut? We'd be dead in the water. Uh, a good friend of mine, Eddie Mize, one of the smartest men I've ever met, has done an analysis with his team to say that 14 days without the Internet would collapse permanently the United States economy.
1: And why is that? Because many people might just think, well, hey, I mean, maybe we lose the Internet, so I can't go on Facebook. I can't, I can't send an email for a couple of weeks. But people might not realize the actual implications of how much of the economy, how much of the delivery of goods and services is directly related to the functioning of the Internet. So can you expand on that just a little bit?
0: There is no corporate entity within America that could survive a two-week outage of the Internet. Um, we schedule our goods. We schedule our power. we um, uh, Our food, our necessities, our medicines are in constant flux and in constant movement. Federal Express could not operate with access to the Internet. UPS could not operate. It would be utter and complete chaos. Here's what people don't understand. We've had this insidious drive. To a place where we opened Pandora's box, that is the internet and our smartphones and they're not going to get put back in and without access, without communication without schedule without all the business transactions, our world is in a very fast pace two weeks would bring us down I strongly recommend you try to find Eddie Mize, in fact I'll give you his phone number yeah, is, that would be great. I'd love to speak with him. Who is one of the most eloquent men I have ever met, who could blow you away by telling you the subtle and potent aspects of non-access to the Internet that we could not possibly recover from.
1: Now, John, we hear all these politicians out here, and uh, what we always hear about the biggest threat is ISIS, or we hear about terrorism, or we hear generically about guns. But from talking to you just for a few minutes here, it sounds like the real threats to our way of life are much greater than... This threat from China, the cyber threat from China and Russia sounds like a a much more worrisome thing than than a lot of the other stuff that we're being told to fear. So, So why do you think that is? Are politicians just completely ignorant of the real threats or are they just uninterested in actually addressing them?
0: I think they're incapable of addressing them.
1: Because they don't have the knowledge about it?
0: They do not have the talents and the knowledge. That's why everybody is silent on cyber science. I put out my Cyber Science Cyber man, uh, Manifesto, my cybersecurity Manifesto.
1: And as far as I know, you're the only presidential candidate that has any sort of you know, coherent statement about cybersecurity.
0: Right. Well, I put it all together about what we had to do, how we had to do it, who we had to hire, how we had to organize them and how we had to pay for it. All in one manifesto. No one's put out anything. It's clearly the number one problem that faces America today and no one is talking about it because who is capable? Hillary Clinton thinks that wiping a disc means taking a damp cloth and wiping it. (laughs) Donald Donald Trump has never written an email. That should be an indication of his lack of sophistication.
1: Is that true? I hadn't heard that. Yes, that is is
0: absolutely true.
1: Wow. I guess he, he has staffers that do that for him. I wrote
0: an article for Wired Magazine Italy. I strongly recommend you read that. You know, Google Translate has a great Italian translator, um, uh, in which I, I, I laid it out. I, I said, these are the fundamental problems that no one is addressing because no one is capable. People are beating Hillary about her emails. Well, you can go into the dark web and get all of the emails of every single presidential candidate. But with the exception of Donald Trump, oddly enough, he's not there so he might be telling the truth about never having written an email. Um, and they're horrifying.
1: So you yourself could actually, or any, I guess anyone with the knowledge, could go into the dark web and actually find the emails of everything these guys have basically ever sent?
0: Well, uh, any, any politician, any high-ranking politician, any high-ranking entertainment person, and any high-ranking business person, if you think you have any privacy whatsoever, then you need to think again.
1: What about low-ranking podcast hosts? I mean, do do I have to worry about this? Do we all have to worry about this exact same thing, basically?
0: Well, it depends on who you piss off. If you piss off someone in anonymous, yes. But, But you have to accept the fact that in every one of our smartphones, there are dozens of agencies and people watching us for God knows what reason. You signed up for it. You agreed to the terms. So they're watching you now. So... By the way, in searching for Donald Trump's email, I found the most astonishing, which I published, by the way, email from a Jose Borges in, in Brazil. He works for Avid Life Meter and for Ashley Madison, and his idea was to get a Pope lookalike and have the Pope lookalike hand out condoms and Ashley Madison cards with those naked women on them to people in the street. Now, that went all the way to the top, and they considered it before they finally quashed it after the Pope looked like quit. Now, that's going to be published also in Wired, and I have the, have the email and a photograph of the Pope next to Jose Porgay.
1: Wow. And I, I will link to all this in the show notes for the show as well, just, uh, just so everybody knows. This was the most astonishing,
0: and I found that looking for Donald Trump's emails because they weren't there, so I just kept digging deeper until I got hold of that thing, and I thought, my God, that is worthy of publication. So, wow. But it's all there. If you're anybody, there are hundreds of people watching you and your information is on the dark web residing right next to the hitman, the drug dealer, uh, and the human trafficker. And it's with everybody. Now, now, if people were pointing fingers at Hillary and knew that a clever hacker could just go into the dark web and dump theirs, I promise you, they would stop pointing fingers because I haven't seen a single dull email from a congressman or a senator or a U.S. president.
1: That's really incredible. So, I mean, listening to this interview, I mean, if someone is just listening to you right now and is very unaware of of sort of the depth of what's going on with all this stuff, with the sharing of our information, which how how much access people can have to it if they desire to. um, Are there any small changes, I guess, you can recommend to people on an individual level? Any changes people can make in their personal lives with their smartphones, with their apps to at least sort of hedge against this a little bit?
0: Well, you know, you're asking me for hard uh, hard solutions. Uh, the most obvious solution is to throw your smartphone away and, and get a flip phone. Uh, no one's going to do that. Uh, the second thing is to have a smartphone, but don't download any apps. No one's going to do that. The next thing is to um, download a protector program like uh, Devasive, one of the programs I wrote. It will allow you to lock down all of your functions, your camera, your microphone, your your, uh, Wi-Fi, your Bluetooth, selectively, so that nobody can access it. Problem is, neither can you. So that when you want to use the camera, you have to unlock the camera, use the camera, and then lock it back. Well, those are two steps we've discovered that people just aren't willing to take.
1: A lot of this seems to come down to how, how sort of, I guess, used to the, the convenience of all this stuff is and the the fact that most people likely aren't going to think of even taking these steps unless say, they, they listen to one of your appearances or, or this podcast and, and can actually hear your sort of plea to, to I guess, realize what's going on on their phones and with their personal devices.
0: Right. I, I think that smartphones and, and Pandora's, the Pandora's box from which it came and it will never go back in, Was nature's way of going, too many people. We got to clean the gene pool. And I think that those people who do not perceive the absolute truth that if you take no action, well, you know, your gene pool is likely to get cleaned out. I'm sorry. Um, Smartphones are dumbing us down. They really are. Uh, I used to know my phone numbers and all the phone numbers of my friends. I don't need to anymore. They're in my smartphone. So what happens is that section of the brain that memorizes numbers is eventually going to atrophy. This is a fact of life. You don't exercise it, it atrophies. And all the other things that the smartphone is taking away from us in the guise of convenience is dumbing us down. I don't want to be dumbed down. I want to be in that crowd that survives this great purge because I really think a great purge is coming. If not from the government, there have been great purges throughout history. Adolf Hitler decided certain people were bad. Well, let's get rid of them. Ten million of them. This is not unique. In ancient warfare, the, the, um, the winner purged the cities of the losers. So the gene pool got stronger by the smarts of the winner or the brawn of the winner and moved on. What is this thing doing? Dumbing us down and giving us options. Are you smart enough to perceive where you are? And are you willing to do something to survive? If not, out of my hands.
1: Uh, John, I mean, th- this is a very important issue, cybersecurity. It is it is the general basis of your campaign, but, you know, this is a libertarian show. It's where we talk about libertarian ideas. A lot of my listeners are in- are inclined uh, that way politically. And, you know, just looking at, at your campaign, um, at your statements, at your positions, even though you're not running as a libertarian, and, and I don't really even know your deeper political philosophy, but a lot of your uh, positions do really, I think, line up in many ways. So I just want to kind of get your quick sort of elevator speech on just a few of the other issues that you've posted about on your campaign website. And I'd like to start off with foreign policy. So what is the John McAfee view of foreign policy?
0: There is none. I believe that we are $18 trillion in debt. We cannot make any more money. The government lives in a fantasy world. When I have no money and a friend comes and says, loan me $20, it is physically impossible. And I say no. When the government has no money and a friend says, lend me $100 million, the government prints money and hands it over. This is not real. This is not the real world. This is not something that can go on forever. It will collapse. Nature will make it collapse. Numbers will make it collapse. The laws of math will make it collapse. We can't do this forever. We have to understand that we've got to cut back. If we don't cut back, we're in chaos. Uh, things that I will cut back are the TSA. You can, you can send every TSA worker home, continue to pay their salaries, and still save $6 billion a year in overhead. I could do a lot with $6 billion. Uh, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, universally hated by everyone and is well known to have done nothing for Native Americans that's another $3 billion right there. The Food and Drug Administration, who assiduously keeps life-saving drugs out of our hands for up to 15 years, has extended its reach and needs to be cut back. You name a segment of government which does not need to be trimmed and can be trimmed in a way which does not harm us. If you can do that, I will eat my shoes
1: would you scale back the FDA? Because that's an issue where we, we try to point out all the ways that regulations through the FDA hamper people's ability to, to attain life-saving drugs. They they hamper research in so many ways, but people will come and say, yeah, but if not for the FDA, how will we you know make sure all this medicine is safe? So what would be your sort of, I guess, compromise on that? Would you want to end the FDA altogether, seek a, a better alternative? How would you view that?
0: You know, back in the, the 1870s, we had snake oil sales that wandered the West with potions uh, to cure everything from gout, to diarrhea, uh, to brain tumors. We survived that. Why? We're smart. We are not as stupid as we look. I ask you which is worse, for the snake oil salesman to come through town and the smart people to say, smells like snake oil to me, (laughs) than to have... A life-saving AIDS pill that they will not give to you because it may harm you. We know you've only got six months to live, but we don't want to harm you during those six months. But it might also give you full life. What madness is this? Seriously. We have to take responsibility for our own lives. I do not need a mother and father to tell me which pills are good, which pills are bad. I can do research on the web. I can say, what is the formula? I can research it and find out. That's what we have, the magic of all the world's knowledge at our fingertips. Let us fucking use it for our own smartness, for our own health.
1: So I'm going to take that to mean you, you think we could pretty much do away with the FDA altogether. Yes, and I, I'm pretty sure I know your stance on this, but for some other people out there who might not, might not be aware, what is your position on the war on drugs? Which to me and to, to most libertarians is uh, one of the absolute biggest affronts um, committed by our government. I
0: believe that whatever a person wants to ingest or snort or plug or apply to their body is their fucking business. Heroin is its own punishment. It is. I have taken heroin and kicked it. It is its own worst punishment. You can't punish them anymore. What good is that going to do? People have the right to experiment with their own bodies. Maybe they think that that they have done research on the cathinones and discovered that some cathinones actually do remove plaque in your artillery system, which they do. And we've made them illegal because they have a slight side effect of making you high. Does the FDA have the right to say no? You know, you can't experiment on your body to see if you can live longer because you look a little odd when you're taking it. Well, fuck you. It's not your job. You are the government. You are here to serve me, not to manage me. You are a service organization. You are not my mother nor my father nor my advisor. If I were to choose an advisor I would certainly not choose one from within the government. So please step back. Do your job and keep out of my affairs.
1: I think that's a pretty strong statement against the war on drugs there and our listeners are going to appreciate that a lot. John First of all, I'd like to ask you what, what you actually hope to accomplish with this presidential campaign. I know a lot of people out there will say, oh, this V guy, he's wacko. He can never win, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I mean, and there may be truth to that in the sense that our system is so damn rigged to support either the Republicans or Democrats, which are essentially two wings of the same party as far as I'm concerned. So what do you actually hope to impact with your presidential campaign? Do you think there's any way you can make actual political headway in terms of getting on ballots, in terms of getting votes, heck, even in terms of getting into a debate or or are you just really hoping to bring more awareness to some of these issues such as cybersecurity, the FDA, the war on drugs, the, thing that you, the things that you're so passionate about?
0: Well, I, I think the worst thing that can happen to me is that I could, I will at least bring awareness. But that, that is not my plan. Uh, I have very smart people working for me, getting me on the ballots in all the states, making sure that I do win. I'm 70 years old. I have never started a company that failed. Uh, I have never started a, a a job or a process that I abandoned. I'm in this because I believe I can win. How? It's a mystery to me, but I will. Um, I, I think people are smarter than you think. I, I've got a checkered past. That's the other thing people talk about. Oh, you've got a checkered past. You know, you've got all these things, drug taking, uh, you, uh, there, there was some link to a murder.
1: But you were never formally, I believe, charged on to to be clear on that. Yes. No, of course not. No, of course not. But
0: I mean, it doesn't matter because The New York Times went ahead and said I was wanted for murder the first day that it came out. Doesn't matter. Um, But but here's the issue. I think people are smarter than that. The day that the Office of Personnel Management was hacked, I hold a top secret security clearance. So I held one when I was in Lockheed Martin uh, working on a black program. That's a program that does not even exist formally. Um, And you won't believe the questions that they ask you and the research that they do about you. They talk to all of your friends, all of your enemies, all the women you fucked, all of the the people you've pissed off, everybody. And then they ask you under a lie detector test things like, have you ever fucked a sheep? (laughs) Have you ever taken drugs? Yes. How many? More than you can carry.
1: Did they actually ask you if you fucked a sheep? They did. Yes, of course. Well, that's amazing.
0: (laughs) Yes, it is. What kind of drugs did I take? Everything. Have you ever sold drugs? Yes. Did you cheat on any of your wives? Yes. Which ones? All of them. And so I wrote an article for International Business Times the day after the Ashley Madison hack when it was discovered that all the records were taken. And I said, just so. Those of you out there that have my record and think that it is useful to you, I'd like to out it myself. And I did that. And the whole article is about the things I did. Have you cheated on your wife? Yes. Taking drugs? Yes. Have you stolen? Yes. Um, Have you had bad thoughts? Yes. Everything. Um, The editor thought I'd gone crazy. But I said, please, let's publish it. Uh, And they did. The comments I got were, wow, dude, there's some serious shit here, but didn't harm me. And if there's something that I've missed and the people come to me and say, hey, you didn't tell this, I will call the New York Times and beg them to put that on the front page of their paper because I don't give a shit. I'm a human being and I have made mistakes. And maybe you have made mistakes. Maybe I'm not the only person in the world who has cheated on a wife, or who has smoked dope, or who has done any of these things, or has lied. I don't think I am. And I think that the heart of the American citizens will see one thing, (laughs) the dude's telling his story as it is, and maybe that's refreshing.
1: It's it's certainly refreshing to me, John, because there are not many, perhaps if any, presidential candidates that are willing to publicly say, yes, I've used heroin. Yes, I've cheated in my past wives. And here's why none of that is relevant to our conversation, because, you know, we need to make things about the actual issues, not about how perfect someone might be in their in their personal lives, which seems to be what half of the presidential debate turns into. And I'm sure most of if not all of these people have done a lot of the things that they go on and condemn in in the sort of the political world.
0: Well, my experience of life is that (laughs) most people have tried most things. And, uh, you know, I I could be cynical with that, but I think they have. And to deny it is the height of stupidity. And if I say these things and someone out there goes, Christ, I'm not voting for you, well, then at least you're saying it from your heart. But if I say, I'm a squeaky clean candidate, like most of them say, and most of Americans seem to think that they want. If you think a man's never told a lie, he's not going to lie to you. I promise you, even if he has never told a lie, as soon as he gets into Washington and sits down in that chair of power, he's going to start lying to you. He's going to lie to you about the NSA spying on you. He's going to lie to you about the assassinations that he takes part in every Monday using drones. He's going to lie about all of this. And and so does it matter? And wouldn't, it, wouldn't you have a better chance of getting the truth from me? Because if I did it, well, I'll, I'll say it. I'm sorry, but I did something they're not going to like. Here's what it was. And I think people are smart enough to know that. Maybe. I'm hoping on um, If not, I've got, I've got statistics. Uh, there hasn't been a bearded president for 100 years. Eh, <laughs> about time for one to pop up, don't you think? My wife is black. Maybe I'll get one or two black folks. I'm <laughs> I'm tattooed on my shoulder all the way down my back. Maybe a couple of tattooed people will vote for me. I don't fucking know how it will work. I just know it will work because my heart is in it. I'm not doing this because I want to do this. Do you think I, at 70, want to be president? Fuck no. I want to be fishing by the banks of some river that has trout in it. I am pushed into this my by advisors and close friends and my fans until they finally prove to me, yes, you might be the only one who can fix this. So I am a reluctant candidate. This is another truth. Now maybe that's gonna set me aside and go well, well you got if you're not really have your whole heart in it, you're gonna make a lousy president. I'm not sure.
1: Well, sure. I mean, you can have your heart in it per se, but a lot of these guys that are running for president, that become president, they might have their heart in it, but they don't have their heart in it for good reasons. They have their heart in it because they want to achieve a position of power, because they want to help their connected corporations or something like that. And I'd, I'd rather have someone who doesn't have their heart in it, who has the right ideas, as opposed to someone who might have their heart in it and have terrible ideas. So uh, I certainly appreciate the tact you're taking in, in terms of running for president. Um, the fact that you, Do not censor yourself. You do not try to pretend that you are anybody other than who you are. John, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I really do appreciate it. Before I let you go, I want to give you just sort of one final plea, one final sort of pitch to everyone out there listening, not just people who are libertarians or inclined to uh, the ideas of liberty, but to anybody that might stumble upon this program. Why should they seek out support and eventually vote for John McAfee for president in 2016?
0: I I think you, you said the magic word. in in your last paragraph when you said they want power. Uh, Do you realize how twisted this is? The word politics is defined as the procedures and actions necessary to gain and retain power within a government. Christ, is that the purpose? Do we want people who want power? This started out as a service organization. George Washington He was kicking and screaming, going, I'm not being the president. Why? Because he had to service an entire nation. He understood that. He had no power. He had all the power there was. He was the general of the Continental Army, for heaven's sake. There's no power sitting behind a desk that can match that power. No, it's become a seat of power where it started out as a seat of service. And my job is just to bring back to a seat of service and then just get the hell out.
1: So you want to return politics to essentially what it's actually supposed to be, where you're not there to seek power, where you're not there to help your connected friends in whatever industries. You're actually there to serve the people and do what is in their best interests. Would that, would that about sum it up?
0: Right, because I think a good politician is powerless. Um, in that I, I think I think. Um, I think a good manager is powerless. I've managed a multi-billion dollar company. My power came from my people. Uh, when someone walked into my office and said, I got a problem, I had to fix that problem. I worked, I worked for 10,000 people. What power do you have there? None. But the job of a manager is to make sure that obstacles to his ability to do what he loves are removed. That's hard. And there's no power in that, I
1: promise. You. Well, John, thank you so much once again for joining me today on the Lions of Liberty podcast. As I mentioned, I think your campaign is going to be very compelling, especially to uh, a lot of our listeners on this program. And a lot of people out there, I right know, are seeking for a Liberty candidate. And they're, they're seeing a lot of people that are disappointing them in so many ways. And if nothing else, I think you're going to provide a refreshing perspective that. We're just not getting from any other candidate, Democrat, Republican, you name it. Um, Before I let you go, is there anything else you want to run through? If there's anything else you want to put out there in terms of how people can get involved with your campaign, how they can seek out more information, how they can support John McAfee for president?
0: Go to McAfee16.com. Press the volunteer button. We need help.
1: There you go. Well, John, thank you once again for coming on the show, and I wish you the best. All right. Thank you, sir. Wow, I mean, uh, I guess refreshing would be the first word that comes to mind uh when talking to John McAfee because I've had a lot of great interviews here. Uh I think most of them I guess are pretty honest and straightforward, but I'm not sure if I've ever spoken to someone at least in this interview format who is more forthright, more forthcoming and more openly honest about themselves than John McAfee. I mean, how often are you going to hear a presidential candidate openly admit to doing heroin? Openly admit to cheating on their wives. Openly admit to not being a perfect angel like all these politicians always try to portray themselves as. Now I'll tell you who is a perfect angel. That's my man Dan McCall over at LibertyManiacs.com. Alright, maybe he's got some skeletons in his closet. I don't know. But he's producing some awesome Killer Liberty gear and he's offering a discount to all of our listeners. So if you're into Liberty t-shirts, if you want to poke fun at their your favorite presidential candidates, you can get the Donald Trump We Shall Overcome" t-shirt in their electoral dysfunction section. There's so much cool stuff over at LibertyManiacs.com. And the best part about it all is that listeners of this show get a 10% discount off their entire order. So head on over to LibertyManiacs.com. Use the code Lions of Liberty at checkout. And as I discussed with Mr. John McAfee... The United States government does not have a very good cybersecurity plan. There's only so much we can do about that. But what we do need as individuals is a good health plan. Now, a lot of you are coming into open enrollment season right now where you have some decisions to make about your health care. And a lot of you are going to find that your employer's health care even is becoming too expensive, becoming something that doesn't really help you as much as it used to. Your deductibles are higher. Your premiums are higher. And it just seems like there's no end to this. Well, guys... There can be an end to this for you. And with every end becomes a new beginning and you can start a new beginning to your healthcare by checking out the amazing health sharing plans and more offered by our friends at Health Excellence Select. This is truly an amazing service which combines health sharing with all sorts of discounts, all sorts of assistance in dealing with your medical care, 24-7 access to board-certified positions, it just never ends. And for most of you, you're going to pay a heck of a lot less than you're paying under the ACA, under Obamacare. So you definitely need to check this out. To learn more, you can head over to lionsofliberty.com health. Or you can call my good friend Jeff Cantor over at HES. His number is 440-283-6849. Tell him Lions of Liberty sent you. And now that the bills are taken care of, or at least they will be, if you guys check out our great sponsors. you know, I, I just got to say, John McAfee is just a really fascinating individual. And not necessarily for the reasons that a lot of the mainstream media will, will try to portray him as. They'll say, oh, this guy was on the run for murder. Well, I mean, no, he was never wanted for murder at all, actually. And, and all those charges were clear. But that stuff like that doesn't make headlines, you know. What makes headlines is... Crazy John McAfee running for president. You know, what makes headlines is John McAfee said this or that. You know, it's not actually looking at the issues he's trying to bring up. And that's why I wanted to have him on the show. I was fascinated by the fact that this guy was running for president. Uh, he's certainly an intriguing individual, as you guys know from listening to the show. But he's someone that should be taken seriously. And that really does need to be taken seriously because... There may be nothing that affects us more without us realizing it than the cybersecurity issues, the issues of digital privacy. I mean, your flashlight app is spying on you. It is. Why else would they ask for all this information? And you can say, you know, a lot of it might just be used for marketing or for, you know, deciding what sort of ads you should be seeing on your Facebook or what have you. And maybe that is innocent to some extent, but when you're not knowledgeable of what's going on, when you're not aware of it, before you know it, these innocent data mining can become something much more. Especially when you have acts like the new Cybersecurity Act that's supposed to prevent hacking but really just allows the government to aid, to combine with other companies to hack your own data, to have more access to you. And as John mentioned, the government is really acting like the citizens of this country are the biggest threat and ignoring the actual threats, the actual cybersecurity threats posed by China, posed by Russia as John McAfee sees them. And I don't know, I can think of a lot worse people to have as president than John McAfee. I I know I can think of a lot worse because I see them on the debate stage each and every week. Now, not everyone's terrible. You guys know we're fans of Rand in many ways. We also criticize him quite a bit as well. Uh, but I th- certainly think he's better than most of the candidates up there. Uh, but, you know, it's he's still not any kind of libertarian hero, libertarian sort of um, philosopher when he's up there on the debate stage, and he doesn't necessarily have to be to run for president. John McAfee isn't either, but if you look at his actual positions, his staunch opposition to the war on drugs, his staunch opposition to The TSA, his staunch opposition to the FDA, all of these things he is very, very good on. And uh, if you just check out his campaign website, McAfee16.com, you're going to see that a lot of his actual positions are very libertarian in nature. Not all of them, not all of them at all. But on the major issues, on the biggest issues, on spying, on the war on drugs, on many of the issues extremely important to libertarians, he is excellent, if I dare say so. And if nothing else, you know, listening to this interview, listening to other interviews with him, this is someone who does not hold back. He does not try to put on a picture of this perfect little presidential candidate who is just there to do X, Y, and Z, whatever fits into that political paradigm and move on. No, he's there to tell us about this threat, to tell us about the issues affecting us today, to do it from his area of expertise, which is security and digital privacy. And hopefully he can bring these issues to the forefront. And frankly, I hope he achieves a lot of success. How much would you not want to see a debate stage that has Hillary Clinton... Donald Trump, let's say, and then John F. M. McAfee right there. I would want to see that. I don't know about you guys. So I was really thrilled to have John McAfee on. It's an interview. i interview I've wanted to do for quite some time. I hope you guys did enjoy it as well. I hope you'll continue to return to this podcast where we'll have many more exciting and interesting interviews. You can, of course, discuss this episode. By heading over to our social media, facebook.com slash lionsofliberty, you can also join our private group, the Lions of Liberty Forum. Just type that in your little Facebook search bar request, and I will let you right in as long as you don't look like a Chinese hacker, I guess. Let's put it that way. I don't know what that looks like on Facebook, but I don't need any hacking on our private Facebook group. You can also follow us and tweet to us on Twitter at Lions of Liberty. If you're listening to the show, if you enjoy this show, by all means, go over to iTunes and hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, if you could leave us a five-star rating. Please, five stars? If you only want to leave one, don't leave it at all. Five-star rating and a great review of this show because that is what will put this show in front of more eyes that is what will get more people listening that is what will help increase this conversation about the ideas of liberty and that is the whole reason I do this show so if you are on board there's just a few simple steps you can take until next time guys I've only got one message for you as usual and that is of course to live long and live free Head of Editing and mastery is John Dawkins. Contact johnny53 at gmail.com.